be in the book of Revelation. Revelation, chapter number 21. Revelation 21, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 8. This evening, as we near the end of the book, the end of the journey, the end of time, really, as we are welcomed to the new tonight. Let's read Revelation 21, verses 1 to 8. And the word of God says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And we trust the Lord will add his blessing to the reading and preaching of his word this evening. We come to the point in Revelation tonight, finally, where we can say, under Orthodox Christianity, we're all agreed. It's a nice place to come to. Where we can get to Revelation chapter number 21 and we can say that every uh, commentator from an orthodox position agrees that this is the eternal state. This is what lies ahead for those that are in Christ Jesus. And, and it's beautiful to recognize the agreement. Unfortunately, the agreement amongst the church runs from chapter 1 to chapter 3. And then we don't get into full agreement again until chapter 21. What does that mean? It means 75% of the book isn't agreed upon. And while everybody will defend their position and everybody will have a reason for the position, hopefully, unfortunately, some people don't actually have a reason for the position. It's just what they've been brought up with. But nonetheless, you know, 75% is a, is a big chunk, isn't it? To get, to get, not get right. And there can only be one right. You know, Scripture never has different interpretations. There's only ever one interpretation. Different applications, but only one interpretation. Now, like I said, everybody will have their opinions. I'm of the opinion of, that what we teach in this church is the right way. It is. I just, honestly, and I have my reasons for that. And hopefully, if we've gone through Revelation, you'll have seen that. So, you know, this 
75% that's up for debate that we stand and we say, well, we think we've got this right, and others will say, we think we've got it right. And you have, to, you have to make a stand in your position and understand why you have that position. But what I want to say is, even though there's disagreement, there shouldn't be disfellowship over these things. That we have to make the main thing the main thing. Now, I think this is close to being one of the very main things, but ultimately... If somebody's in the 75% where they disagree with us, that doesn't mean that they're our enemy or they're not saved in the Lord. We have to allow room for that. But let me caveat that by saying at the same time, we should know our position and we shouldn't be ashamed of that position and be able to uh, talk about that position and share in the right way with others that don't hold to what we hold. But as we get to Revelation 21, I'm quite thankful that I don't have to go into that because most people are agreed. Praise the Lord. What are they agreed upon? They're agreed upon that something new is coming. They're agreed upon that what is here now isn't what will be. And that Revelation 21 marks that point where we are introduced to new things. So what we're going to do tonight is, as we're welcome to the new, we're going to have a look at some of these new things. And we're going to contrast, because even in this account where there's new things, there's also some old things that are worth reminding ourselves of as we go through this portion of Scripture. So the first thing I want to look at tonight is that there is a new place. As we think about the new, there's a new place in in verses 1 to 4. The first new thing is that there's a new creation. Look at verse 1. It says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Over the last couple of times that I've been preaching on a Sunday morning, I've been dealing with the whole our framework of our thinking. And then the, the message before that was really recognising that we live in a fallen world. It's a fallen world. And we live in a, a, as fallen people in a fallen world. And really what we're seeing here is this redemption of that fallen world. The world was cursed just as humanity was all those years ago in the garden. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. We know these, but let's do it again. Genesis 3 verse 17. Genesis 3 verse 17. Here we have the fall of man. And Adam, unto Adam he said, this is God, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. Notice that. That's what happens when you listen to the women. No, sorry. I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's scripture, so. <laughs> because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. What happens here? Man is cursed, and the earth is cursed. Sin has sullied that which God has made. It's marred his creation. God said in the beginning, what? It is good, good, good. And then we came along, We ruined it. And this world that we look at and we can admire its beauty is a fallen world. 
No matter how spectacular it looks, it's not as good as it was when God first created it. And we know that the world was cursed at the fall. And if you turn with me to Romans 8, verse 21. Romans 8, verse 21. Oh dear, is he alright? What have you done to him? He just woke up. Romans 8, verse 21. Romans 8, 21. Here we're told about the earth. It says, because the creature itself... All shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. This is the complete... Uh, glorification, remaking of us, body, soul and spirit into what God originally intended us to be. And for creation it's the same, same principles being used. So you've got this picture from Genesis you've got it from the New Testament that the creation's waiting for God to fix it. Turn to Isaiah chapter 65. We'll see these promises in the Old Testament and indeed in the New Testament. Isaiah 65 verse 17. Isaiah 65 verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. This is in Isaiah, Old Testament. Look at chapter 66, verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. Isaiah 66, verse 22. So we see this promise that God is going to do something new. He's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 7. But the heaven and earth, heavens and earth which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but as long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but they should all come to repentance." But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise and the elements shall be melted up with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation or manner of life and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, Wherein the heavens shall be on fire, being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. 
There's a new creation coming. It has been promised of old. Through the Old Testament, it's been repeated by the Apostle, recorded in Holy Scripture, that there's a time coming where God is going to take this world and he's going to uh, regenerate it as a better word. Not by water, not like the first judgment and flood. This is fire. There's a purging and a recreation of that which is already there. It's important that it's not a completely new uh, heaven and earth, that he takes what's there and basically restarts and makes it again. Reforms it by fire. We know that the Bible tells us that Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 4 says, One generation passes away, another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. What does that mean? That the earth will abide forever, but not in this form. Not in this form. There's a new creation. That's what's going to happen as part of this new place. We're going to see a new heaven and a new earth. And if you remember from some of the teaching that I talked about, I believe the stellar heavens are gone here. That literally the third heaven, God's dwelling place, and our dwelling place are merged. And they're going to be merged with a connector between the two. And we'll talk about that in our very next point. Because what do we have new? We have a new creation. We also have a new construction. Look at Revelation 21 verse 2. says this, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Here we have this new construction. What is this new construction? It's a new Jerusalem. It's a new city. And we're going to have a look at that in more detail uh, next time we're in, in Revelation, it's not going to be for a couple of Sundays with the events in our family service, but we are going to come back and we're going to look at the details of this construction and, and try and work out what shape we think it is. Look at the measurements that are given. I, I, what I'm going to do is, is probably bring it up and compare. When you look at the measurements that are given, the size of this city in comparison to the earth as it, as it stands. And, and you're going to be blown away from it. But this is a literal city. The earth is literal. The sea disappearance is literal. And so is the, the city here. And of course, there's a picture, symbolism of God's people here. This is where you get the analogy a little bit later on of, of the bride. But it is a city. It's a holy city. It's a new Jerusalem. And, and it comes down from God out of heaven. So the, the idea here is, and again, this is probably easier in pictorial form, which we're going to do next time we look at it, but there is this, I can't even describe the size of it, uh, monstrous structure that comes down from heaven that is the holy heavenly city. I mean, this wouldn't be far out in a science fiction movie. But this is the reality. And what's happening is coming down from God. Where is God? God is in the third heaven. It's coming down to earth. So there's no longer this divide between heaven and earth. This is pictured for us in uh, Jacob's ladder. It is the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has done to connect heaven and earth. He is the one who has bridged the divide that sin has caused, only him. And as a result, there is this new Jerusalem. And, you know, you think about the Hebrews' hall of faith. You look at Abraham, who looked what? For a city whose builder and maker was who? God. 
This is it. This is it. This is the new creation. And in the new creation we have this new construction, this beautiful city. And notice it's holy city. It's a new Jerusalem. Why do we need a new Jerusalem? Because the old Jerusalem is what? Apostasized. It's dirty and it's marred and it's scarred. But this is the new Jerusalem. This is the new capital of the new world, as it were. We're going to see and look at this. We don't have time to do this tonight. This is going to be part of the next message. When we we look into Revelation 21 and we look from verse uh, number 9 on, we're going to see the, the beauty and the majesty that's going on here. We're going to see some of the things, of the foundations and the stones and what they mean and what's behind them. It, 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 it's miraculous. So we'll, we'll look at that when we look at that. But for now, we know that there is this new Jerusalem that comes from heaven. There's a connecting. We have a new heaven and a new earth. We have a connecting between God and his people and then we have this city. This, and city doesn't do it justice. Size of this structure that is almost the connector between the two. Which leads us on nicely to my third point. There's a new connection. Look at verse 3. Revelation 21. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God, the dwelling place of God, is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself shall be with them and will be their God. This is the new heaven and the new earth. There is no longer the separation, uh, separation of time and space between God and man. This is the eternal state. God dwells in the eternal. This is a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to see... Uh, in a couple of weeks that the sun, the moon and the stars I believe are done this, one of the purposes of the sun, the moon and the stars is to give time season you don't need that anymore things are changing things are changing part of this is this new connection and the text is plural that means uh, all people one people there's no ethnic or racial divides anymore there's only God and God's people this is a, this church foreshadows in a way. Remember we said this morning, neither Jew nor Gentile. But in the eternal state, there's only God and his people. And he will be connecting in a way that was meant to be, right in the garden. That closeness of fellowship. I don't, I don't think we appreciate that. The lengths that God has gone to to ensure fellowship with his creation is immense. He wants fellowship with us. I mean, I, I look at us all and think, <laughs> why would God want fellowship with us? I don't, I don't even want fellowship with me at times. But in this new place, with this new creation, this new construction, this new connection that, yes, God is connected to us now through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and the indwelling spirit, but it's not the same as what's going to come. He is very ever present. I think that makes sense, but he's there all the time. And in this new place, and with our new body, we're going to be able to fellowship with him in a way that isn't possible here and now. And the people of the world will become one 
And God himself shall be with them. What else to part of this new place? There's a new constitution. Look at verse 4. Part of this. Eternal state. Without sin. Without suffering. With a complete Total, perfect theocracy. God at the very center of absolutely everything. It says in verse 4 that God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. This is the transition from the old to the new. That there is a time coming where there will be No tears. No more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. No more pain. No more pain. This world is full of those things. It's just full of it. Why? Because it's cursed. It's fallen. It's broken. We're broken. Sin has marred it all. And we live in a world where it's even being shared this morning and thinking about what's happening in the news where people will do the most horrific things. Like those kids in France. What is going on? It's a fallen world. We're fallen people. And the depth of our sin is yet to be realized. Would you understand that? all the things that are going on in the world today and still the depth of our sin hasn't been fully realized. The wickedness that lies within our hearts, what human beings are capable of. But in this new place, with a new creation, a new construction, a new connection with God, there's a new constitution. And sin and suffering, shame, guilt, Anger, anxiety, whatever you want to name and claim, it's gone. Gone. What have we done to deserve that? Absolutely nothing. In fact, we don't deserve any of it. But God in his goodness has not only saved us, he's promised that he's going to fix everything. It's not a crutch to lean on. This is a truth to look forward to. That God is going to fix it all. All of it. All of it. If you're struggling, going through the ringer, this is the hope. Just like Abraham, Hebrews Hall of Faith, we look for a city whose builder and maker is God. Because when this city comes, it is the consummation of all things. It's the eternal state. How long does that last for? Never. We can't comprehend that. Why? Because we're in time. We're finite beings. Beginning, end. That's why we work. And yet we've got a God who's outside of that. And that God who's outside of that is bringing us into that through his shed blood and his love. Why would we ever reject him? 
God's going to wipe away every tear. There's no death, no suffering. There's new things coming. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the new. Honestly, I'm looking forward to the new. It's coming. Why? Because God's word says so. Says so. But even in this passage, there is some of the old. We've got a new place with a new creation, new construction, new connection, and a new constitution. But there's an old promise or old promises in there. First of all, there's an old clarification, verses 5 and 6. But he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. We've already seen these titles in Revelation. I'm Alpha and I'm Omega. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. I'm the first and I'm the last. I am all things in your time and space. That's what's being said there. Alpha and Omega, first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. What's, what's, what's that title about? I'm all knowledge. I'm all knowledge. Take the alphabet, put it together. You have knowledge. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the first and the last. Why are we getting this reminder here? of this old promise, this old clarification, this old truth. Because it's a reminder that God is sovereign. That he is on the throne now. That he is on the throne in your darkest, deepest struggles. He's on the throne. That he's on the throne when Antichrist comes and tries to rebel against God's rule. He's on the throne that he was on the throne whenever Christ came and took the sin and shame of the world upon Calvary's cross. He was on the throne. And he was on the throne in the garden all those years ago. And he's in the throne in this eternal state, that he is all in all and above all and beyond all and in charge of all. So yes, the new is coming, but it's off the back of the old that ever was. All of history is under his control. And we're reminded here at the very end, all of history will be consummated under his control because he's a sovereign God. Then we have an old confirmation, verse 7. We've read this before and seen it before in Revelation chapter number 1, 2, and 3. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Again, this is pointless to truth. Who is he that overcome? He that believes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is an overcomer. He who is saved by faith alone in Christ alone, through grace alone, is an overcomer. And we're reminded here in the sovereignty of God, of the promises of God. This is a kind of encapsulation of the Abrahamic and the Davidic covenant. Putting this together points to the language of Romans that we in him will be his child 
for eternity. For eternity. You have the clarification that God is sovereign and on the throne. You have the confirmation that those that are in him have him for an eternity. And that leads us then finally to verse 8. We have an old condemnation. But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable murderers or whoremongers, sorcerers, those that deal in pharmacy, idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burneth, burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So here at the end of the book we have this stark reminder that there's new coming, but the new is only for those that have trusted Christ as Saviour. It's only for the overcomer. What lies ahead for the overcomers is, is, is no new city, no new creation, no new constitution, and no new connection with God. In fact, the opposite lies ahead. Eternal separation. Eternal torment. Complete contrast to no suffering, no pain, no tear. So even here as we come towards the end of time, God is still warning us as we look at these pages that yes, this is what lies ahead. This is the beauty of the new heaven and the new earth. But, but, not all roads lead to heaven it's not universalism everybody will end up here you want to be in this place your ticket is only through the Lord Jesus Christ only through the blood of the Lamb and really the readers here are kind of challenged to make their choice not to halt between two opinions but pick one or the other what a place it's a place of new. It's a place of old. My hope is that we'll all be welcome to the new. Each and every one of us. As you think about these things, Wayne Grudem writes this. Christians often talk about living with God in heaven forever. But in fact, the biblical teaching is richer than that. It tells us there'll be a new heavens and a new earth, an entirely renewed creation and we will live with God there there will also be a new kind of unification of heaven and earth there will be a joining of heaven and earth in this new creation folks this is what it's all about this is what it's all about this life is but a vapor it's nothing But this is for an eternity. What do we want? Eternity with God or eternity without? I'm going to put my lot in with God. And I hope each and every one of you does that this evening. For the believer here, this is what lies ahead. (coughs) You know what? If you know him as saviour, there's nothing you can do to change this. (laughs) 
<laughs> a little doggy. <laughs> It's, I tell you what, it's better having a dog like that than having a real one. I'd swap any day of the week. This is what lies ahead. Will there be will there be pets in heaven? Who knows? But I tell you what will be in the new heaven and new earth. Our Lord and our Saviour. Present with us in a way that we can't imagine now. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard the things that lie ahead. For those that know and love the Saviour. There's a new heaven and a new earth coming. I want you to be part of it. I want to enjoy it with you for an eternity. How's that feel? I mean, it's a big place, so we'll be able to avoid each other, but we can. But let's be part of the new. We don't want part of this old earth, this old, fallen, broken, sin filled creation. We want part of the new. And we want people that we love and we know to be part of that new. So help us, Lord Jesus. Let's go to him in prayer.